We're so excited to have Mike back with us next weekend. He's going to be kicking off our uh, a brand new fall series, and we'll talk a little bit more about that in, in a few minutes. Today we are wrapping up our current series, which is called Greater Than. And, and we've been taking a look that throughout the Bible, there are all kinds of passages of Scripture that talk about the principles and the promises of God that deliver for us a, a great life. And we started with week one is it has to start with a relationship between us and God, that Jesus becomes greater. We become less. Week two was that God's will is greater than my will. And so I can trust God with his plans and his ways in my life. Week three was serving others is greater than being served. And in that we saw Jesus specifically said, if you want to be great, then you simply respond to the needs of others. That you put the needs of others before yourself. When you see a need, you meet it. And then last week we said that we is greater than me. And all throughout the Bible it talks about we weren't created to do life alone. We weren't created to, to be by ourselves. That we need each other. That we need to be connected to the family and part of relationships together. And it's really those last two. That's what spurs us on to things like giving generously towards the people in Texas. It's a response that we have an opportunity. We see a need. We must be a part of meeting that need. And we get a chance to partner with the greater church, that we is always greater than me. And so we're going to help the church in Texas, and we're going to help um, with other organizations like Mike talked about. And as he said, when things get settled down a little bit there in these next few days, weeks ahead, that we're going to have an opportunity to send people as well to be a part of that. But here's the good news, right? Not, not just about Texas. The good news of all of this in this series is that we don't have to do this alone. It's not up to you to become great on your own. It's not up to you to do more great things than bad things. It's not about what you bring to the table with this. And so really what we're going to talk about today is that God in me is greater than anything I face. Any circumstance, any trial, any temptation, any fear, any broken relationship, anything. That God in me is greater than whatever that is. How many of you, let me ask you a question, how many of you know someone that just seems to have more spiritual power to them, right? There's just something about them that just seems to have, I think we all know those people, there's just something about it. They seem a little bit more plugged into God, a little more connected to God, maybe a little bit deeper. I, I don't know what it is. Maybe when they pray, you hear them pray and their, their prayers are so powerful. I hear some people and they pray and, and I think, man, if I was God, I would answer that prayer, right? Like that's a fantastic prayer right there. Like I, that should be answered. That was, that was great. Or maybe you know someone and you talk to them and it seems like they can quote a Bible verse for everything. There's just, there's this deep wisdom that they have and they just know God's word and, and it just filters into every part of their life and you're like, wow, how, how do they do that? Or maybe it's a, the person that you come in contact with and when something happens in their life, when something goes, goes terribly wrong, it just never seems that they're, they're shaken by it. Like they've just got this deep spiritual awareness that no matter what happens in their lives, that they just trust that God is in control, that they just, they seem to be able to, to say, you know what, no matter how bad this is, I'm trusting that God is going to turn this into something good. Now maybe you, you wonder, you're like, how, how come it, it seems like there are people that just have, have more spiritual power than I do? Well, here's the answer, because there are people who have more spiritual power than you do, right? That, that's just, that's the answer. Because there are some people who have just, they have, have lived, they've, they've figured out how to be more surrendered to God. And they have begun to, to dive into, to connect with this power that's available through a relationship with him. 
Now, I've told you before, Laura and I grew up in Canada, and uh, I don't know if you know this about Canada, but it gets pretty cold there. Uh, and so uh, there's this simple quotient, this simple ratio, really, in terms of, of how you determine, if you're a Canadian, how many kids you're going to have. Here's the ratio. It's the amount of snow that you get every winter, plus how long your driveway is. It determines how many kids you end up having, because, because someone's got to shovel it, right? And that's just, that's what kids are for in Canada. It's, it's for shoveling your driveway. And so Laura and I both had to do it when she was growing up, she had an older sister, and when her sister moved out, it left Laura by herself. And so she had to shovel the driveway by herself. And, uh, and, and if you've lived anywhere up north, you know it takes like three hours just to get ready to go outside, right? And then you get outside and you start sweating because you're wearing so much. And so you're wet and cold and miserable. And shoveling the snow is so frustrating because you can't wait until it's done or you won't leave your house for three months, right? You're just like snowed in. And so you've got to shovel it while it's still coming down. The problem is, is that as you shovel out certain sections, by the time you finish, you go back to realize that it's all filled back in again and you got to start shoveling again and it's just this this endless cycle and so one day uh, one snowstorm Laura was shoveling her driveway and she had just started and this uh, this boy from down the street drove by in, in his pickup truck and and he had a plow on the front and so he backed up into Laura's driveway all the way up into her garage he dropped his plow and in two runs he cleared her entire driveway What took him two minutes would have taken Laura probably about two hours to do on her own. I'm sure it had nothing to do with the fact that she was cute. I'm sure it was just his generosity uh, is why he drove down to, uh, happened to be driving down the street in a snowstorm to to bail her out. The the funny thing to me is this is when I married Laura, Laura moved out, which means her dad had no kids left. And so at that point he bought a a snowblower uh, because he didn't want to, he didn't want to do it himself. Laura's still a little bitter about that. In fact, I can't take her home in the winter. She's just got this nervous tick. She's like, right, it just happens when she goes back in the the wintertime. 1 John 4.4 says this, You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Let me give you a couple observations from from this passage because this is going to kind of set up what we're going to talk about today. But I want you to understand the context. It says, you dear children are from God. Now that implies that we have to, it starts with a relationship with God. That we have to have this relationship. And it says that we are from God and we have overcome them. Well, who are the them? Them is this. There was a bunch of, of false teachers in, in this, around this church and, and in this city. And so John writes this letter because what these false teachers were doing was they were teaching that, that you needed something in addition to Jesus or maybe even instead of Jesus to get into this relationship with God. And what the Bible teaches very, very clearly is that it's all about a relationship with Jesus. In fact, Jesus has done everything. We don't do anything. We don't even make a choice. God draws us to himself, right? Like it's God that has done everything for us. It's all through Jesus and what he's done for us. And so we have these false teachers that are saying, well, if you do Jesus plus a little bit more, or if you do this instead of Jesus, that you can earn your way in. So it says that we as dear children, that we are from God and we have overcome them because the one who is in you. Now, when he says the one, he's talking about the spirit of God. And he says that he is in you, right? That he's in us. Now, with our English word you, we always have to check that because this is true that the Spirit of God, if you have a relationship with God through Jesus, the Spirit of God is in you as an individual. That's one of the things that God does is he puts his Spirit inside of you. But in this context, 
He's actually you, he's talking about plural. He's talking about us, which really goes back to last week, right? That we is greater than me. This isn't just my personal relationship with God, but the spirit in me, the spirit in each of us together, that when this happens, it says that we are greater than the one who is in the world. You see, us plus the spirit of God is greater than anything you will ever encounter, anything you will ever face in your life. And the Spirit of God is mentioned about 800 times throughout the Bible, right? In the Old Testament, in fact, the second verse right in, the second verse in as God is creating everything, the Spirit is a part of that. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word is ruach, and that is the word for, for the literal translation is wind or breath, but not just like a, not a normal breath. It's a violent exhalation, right? It's, it's this blast of breath, this... Right, that that's what the word literally means. And the Holy Spirit, he comes with power. In the New Testament, the Greek word is the word pneuma. And the word pneuma literally means wind, a current of air, a blast, a breath. The exact same meaning from both of those words. See, in the Old Testament times, when the Spirit of God, when God wanted to do something or he wanted to, to move in someone's life, it would say that the Spirit of God would descend upon them, but eventually the Spirit of God would depart from them. And so it was this coming and going of the Spirit, coming and going and coming and going. But in the New Testament, Jesus, before he left, he said, I am going to send my Spirit, and he's going to live in you. If you are a believer through what Jesus has done, then you get the gift of God's spirit living in you. And he promises that he will never leave you, that he will never turn his back on you. He will never forsake us. See, Christians all over the world, I think what happens is that what we do is we kind of put on our work gloves and we grab our shovels, right? And we go to work and we're going to live the Christian life. And we try on our own strength. We strive and we fight and we battle and a lot of times we end up left discouraged and frustrated and not feeling like we're gaining any ground, like it's making any difference in our lives. And the reason is, is because we're trying to live the Christian life in our own strength instead of connecting to the power, the greater power that is available to us. And so what is that power? What, is it, what does it look like? And how do we connect with it? Today, we're going to jump around to uh, several different passages uh, in the Bible. Uh, there's 800 verses that talk about the Spirit. Uh, this may take us a while. It's a good thing we have Monday off, and so I'm very uh, glad about that. We may skip a couple of them, and, and so here's your options. You can follow along on the side screen. You can download the app, or you can get ready to get some paper cuts, because we're going to flip through a, a lot of passages in a hurry. Here's the first one that I want to take a look at. Matthew 28, verse 19. It's the Great Commission. These are some of the last words of Jesus, what he challenges to his followers, and he said this. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Now, the, the father, right, we get that. Whether you had a, a good or, or bad father, we all understand the concept of a father. Maybe yours wasn't great. Maybe yours wasn't even around. But you've seen what a good father looks like. And so we understand this concept as God is the father. And then it says that there was the, the son. And, and I think for most of us, we understand this too, right? This is Jesus. This is God. He became man. And we've seen enough movies or enough documentaries of, of blonde-haired, blue-eyed Jesus, right? We know that, that Christmas and Easter, that those are all about Jesus. And so we, we get this. 
We know that he died and that he rose again so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be restored to our relationship with God. But then there's this Holy Spirit. And that's the one that I think most of us, if we're honest, we're kind of like, I'm not so sure about that. In fact, you may have heard people refer to him as the, the Holy Ghost. And you're like, I, I don't like ghosts, right? I'm kind of I'm scared of ghosts. I'm not sure what this whole, this whole ghost thing is. I kind of want to stay away from that. The truth is this, he's not, he's not what you think. In fact, if you understood him, you would want him in your life. And so if you'll give me just a, a couple of minutes, if you'll kind of remove some of maybe your, your preconceived notions, just kind of go blank page for me. And I want to show you, we, we can't cover everything that the Bible says about the Spirit of God, but I do want to take a quick overview and I want to help you understand who he is. And I want you to understand the benefits that come in your life through this relationship with God. Now here's maybe the best place for us to start, and it's by talking about who he is not. He is not an it. He is a person. In fact, he's the third person of the Trinity, right? And so we just looked at that passage. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Now all throughout the Bible, when it is describing him, it calls him him, right? So he is a, he is a him. It's not some kind of cosmic force. It's not some kind of Jedi thing, right? If we think of God in that context, if we think of the, the spirit of God in that context, then we're going to relate to him in that way. It's just kind of some bizarre, weird, mystical thing out there that I don't fully understand. But if we choose to see him as a person, then I think it helps us to relate to him personally. See, I'm not smart enough to, to uh, to pick on English translations of the Bible. But from my understanding, we did a disservice to, to God when we translated this word into ghost. In fact, even the word spirit is a word that we had to make up because we didn't have a word that matched this. The word literally means this refreshing breath of fresh air. So you can't, you can't see it but you know it's there. It's like wind in, in sails of a ship. It's incredibly powerful. Every summer, uh, Laura and I spend a lot of hours sitting in, uh, in our North Carolina humidity uh, at baseball fields watching Ty uh, play baseball. And if you've ever been there, there's no shade at, at baseball fields, right? There's no trees. There's no air conditioning. You just sit for a couple hours in your own nastiness. And, and, and as we sit there, right, every once in a while, all of a sudden there will be this breeze that will kick up and, and it'll just blow. You don't see it coming, right? But all of a sudden it, it just blows across and you'll hear every single parent simultaneously go, ah, right? It's, this, it's almost worshipful. Now most of them don't understand who it is or what they're worshiping, but it, that's the image of who the Spirit is. It's this refreshing breeze that blows across your life and, and, and you want it. Now here's the second thing. He, he isn't weird. Right? The Spirit isn't weird. People are weird. Uh, I'm weird sometimes, but, but He isn't. In fact, it says in the Bible that He is God. In Acts chapter 5, it says this, Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings, but to God. See, he's not a lesser version of God. He's not a, a different kind of being than, than God, right? God the Father and God the Son are the same as God 
the Spirit. In fact, the words Spirit and God all throughout the New Testament, they're interchangeably used. And right here in these verses, Peter refers to the Holy Spirit as God. See, this is so important for us to understand. Because if we forget about the Spirit, then what happens is that we're really forgetting about God. See, most people reject, they don't reject the power of God, but they reject maybe the packaging of God, how he was presented to you, what you saw in your church experience growing up, or what you've seen in some some other things, maybe on TV or wherever it is. See, most people, we don't reject the, the power of God. And we can't walk away, we can't throw away the truth of who God is just because someone may have packaged it in a weird way. And so what does the Spirit do in our lives? Let me give you a few things. Here's the first. He speaks to you. He speaks to you. You see, one of the most important things that God's Spirit is trying to tell you all the time is who you are. He wants you to know that you are loved, that that He cares for you. He wants to remind you all of the time That because you have put your trust in Jesus, the Bible says that you are now adopted into God's family, that you are a child of God. This is one of the things that God does for us. Romans 8, 16 says, the Spirit himself testifies or speaks truth, confirms for us with our spirit that we are God's children. See, God's Spirit is constantly trying to remind you that you're a part of God's family, that you're not alone. Your identity is in Jesus. That when God looks at you, he doesn't look at all of the brokenness. He doesn't look at the mistakes. He doesn't see what we tend to see. He looks at the perfection of his son Jesus in our lives. And so your sin is forgiven. Your eternity is secure. See, God's spirit is constantly trying to speak to us. This happens to me a lot, right? I, when, I, when I go home, maybe sometimes, maybe it's just been a, a tough day. I'm tired, I'm exhausted. And I'll go home sometimes and, and something, that, something that I hoped was going to be done wasn't done or something that I hoped wouldn't be done was, was done, right? And, and you walk into that environment and there are times where I just want to vent, right? There are times where I just, I just want to react. I just want to respond. And there are times where I clearly hear God speaking to me saying, Donnie, don't do that. Don't, that's, that's not the way to, to, to treat this. You're just tired, you're frustrated, don't take it out on them. Reality, sometimes I still do. And I'll take it out on Laura, or I'll take it out on Ty, and then I hear God's Spirit saying, you need to go make things right. You need to ask for forgiveness, right? That it wasn't their fault. You shouldn't have responded that way. Maybe you've done something and someone else took the credit for it for all of your hard work. Maybe someone has gossiped about you. They've, they've spread things that aren't true about you. And, and, and you're just in this place where you want the truth to come out, right? You want, people should know that I was the one that put the hard work into it. This happens to me sometimes. I should get credit for what it is that I did, or I should make sure that I set the record straight because people are saying things about me that, that aren't necessarily true. And I hear God say, Diane, just stay humble. Don't worry about getting the credit for things. Don't worry about what someone else is, is saying about you. Just Just stay humble. See, God speaks to us. In Isaiah 30, it says this. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. What a a great verse. The the people of Jerusalem, when they would leave God's path, what would happen is that God would, he would correct them. Every weekend uh, when I I teach, people will come up to me afterwards and say, you you were speaking directly to me. And, and I love to, to say, good, I, I, I was, you're messed up, right? I was really, actually, I was, I'm glad you, I'm just kidding. I, I don't say, that. I want to sometimes, but, but my response is that it, it's not me. 
It's God's spirit that you heard, right? It's God's spirit that's speaking to you. When we hear his voice of correction, we need to be quick and obedient and willing to follow it in our lives. See, I've never heard God in an audible voice. I've never heard a, a voice speak to me, but I have felt convicted all the time, pretty much every day, right, over, over foolish things that, that I do. And then, I don't know, some of you may say, well, that's just, that's just your conscience, Donnie. Well, who, who put my conscience there? Right? I, I believe God created that. And so he speaks to us. His spirit convicts us. He says, Donnie, don't, don't go that way. Don't, don't do that. Instead, go this direction. Instead, choose to do this. You see, God always provides a way out. His spirit never condemns us. If you hear voice, that you get this sense that says that you're just too bad. It's too late for you. No, one, no one's going to love you. No one's going to care for you. You are so far down that road, it is way too late for you to ever come back. That is not the voice of the Spirit. Because God doesn't condemn, he convicts. Here's the second thing. He teaches you. Have you ever read the Bible? Read a, a part of it and something, all of a sudden, just something just makes sense to you? Or maybe you've been reading something right? And, and it's, it's, the, it's the problem that you're, you're wrestling with or the decision that you need to make. And all of a sudden you read it and you're like, oh, there, there's the answer, right? Or, or maybe you've read a passage or a story and you've read it like 10 times, 20 times, 100 times. But this time you read it, you see it in a different light. You see it new. That's the role of the Spirit teaching you. Look at what Jesus said in John 14, 26. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things, and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. The Spirit will teach us. He will remind us of the things that we have heard and the things that we have learned. You don't need to go to Bible college to be able to read and understand the Bible. Look what it says in 1 John 2.27. But you have received the Holy Spirit, and he lives within you. So you don't need anyone to teach you what is true. For the Spirit teaches you everything you need to know. Now, let me just clarify a couple things with this verse, because if I don't, I've just worked myself out of a job, and then that's not good, not good for me. And so uh, it's not saying, right, John's not saying in this that you don't need anyone to teach you. He's not saying that you don't need to come to church anymore. You don't need to listen to Pastor Mike, just listen to the Spirit. You don't need to be a part of a small group where other people are, are confirming and holding you accountable to things. He's not He's not saying that. Remember, John was writing this letter, we said this earlier, to, to, some, some, to a church that had some false teachers around it. People who were making things up and saying things that were wrong truths about what Jesus wanted to do in their lives. And so that's who he's writing to. He says, you still need to be taught. You need to learn from others. You need the encouragement of others. You need the accountability of others. But the Spirit will help you discern what is true from what is false. See, the Spirit will teach you everything that you need to know to follow God. He does it through the Gospels, right? He does it through the Gospel to, to depend on Jesus and, and how to live it out as we follow him. It doesn't mean that the Spirit will answer every question that you have about how God made things or what happened to the dinosaurs or, or when will the world end or is it really sanitary that Taco Bell uses caulking guns to fill their burritos, right? The, the Spirit isn't going to answer all questions for you, but what it says is that his job is, is to teach us everything that we need to know to know Jesus and to follow him. Third thing is this, is he guides you. This is so cool. 
Because I think for a lot of us, we're at, we're at a place of crossroads, right, with the decisions that we're making. I met a young lady this week who sat in my office, and she just got back from, from the mission field. She was in South Africa, and she came here, and, and she lives now in the States, and, and she started in Charleston, and then she went to Charlotte, and then came up to Raleigh, and, and she's, she's trying to discern where it is that God is leading her to live. Maybe you have decisions to make about which college to attend. Which major should you commit to? What, what career path should you take? Should you stay at the job that you're at or should you move on to, to a new job? Should you take that risk? Should I forgive that person who, who hurt me deeply? Should I, should I marry that person? Should, should we get married or, or should, we, should we end our marriage? John 16, verse 13 says this. This is Jesus. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. We've been back in, uh, in North Carolina for about two years now, just over two years, uh, a couple of weeks ago. And uh, I don't think I've shared with you the, the story or our journey coming back. And this is just a short version, but, but it was a few years ago. It was the spring and, and we as a church, the church that I was at, uh, we were going through a series on faith. And, and as we went through this series, it was like an eight or 10 week series on faith. And, and I really sensed that God was saying to me throughout this series that, that change is coming. And I really believed that as I, as I talked with God and as I listened, I, I believed that he meant with regard to the student ministry that I was leading, because that's what I, my job was. I was, I was overseeing a, a student ministry and, and I thought, okay, God, the, there's changes coming to this ministry and, and I'm okay with that. And I remember at the end of the series saying, God, I'm all in. Whatever it is that you want to do, whatever you want to change, I'm willing to change everything. I'm, I'm willing to start from scratch. Whatever it is, you just show me. Open some doors and, and I'll, I'll follow you as we go through this. A couple other things happened and uh, we actually came back to North Carolina to do a wedding. And uh, this was a, a fantastic couple that we love. We had, we had committed and promised to, to do their wedding before we had moved to California. And so we came back and, and did the wedding. It was an incredible weekend. We got a chance to hang out with, with a bunch of friends from Hope. We got a chance to hang out with friends from baseball and, and just connect with a bunch of people. We came to services on the weekend. I had a chance to hang out with Mike and, and just talk about things. And, and Mike had always said, Donnie, there's a, a place for you. If you ever want to come back to Hope, then, then let's talk. And I always remember just being blown away by how generous and, and gracious Mike was. Well, we, uh, we finished up our weekend and we got on the airplane and uh, Laura was a mess, right? She, she was just, she, was just it was, she had seen all of these friends and all of these people that we had we loved and, and journeyed with for a long, long time. And so she's crying and, and trying to hold it together. And, and I remember looking over at Ty and I asked him, because we hadn't been back in two years. And I said, Ty, how, how are you feeling about this trip? You just saw a lot of old friends and, and how'd that make you feel? He said, Dad, I don't know. He said, it just, it feels like, it feels like North Carolina is home. And at that point, Laura lost it, right? So now she's just bawling everywhere and there's like snot and there's crazy stuff and it's, it's just bad. And, and so it was a very solemn, quiet ride home. And, and so uh, we landed on a Monday and I remember as we were on that plane, I remember just praying, God, would you just open doors for us? Would you just, I don't know what to do with this. What does this mean? What are, you, what are you doing? I remember you said change. What are you doing? Landed on a Monday, that Tuesday, we went into staff meeting. Laura worked at the church too. She was at a different campus than I was. And, um, and so we both were, we were watching the staff meeting and, and Rick Warren, our pastor, walked in and, and, and I remember him saying, today we're gonna talk about change. And he said, here's the deal. God never changes, but, but sometimes we all should be changing, right? God wants us to change. Some of us are going to change roles within the church. Some of us, some of our pastors are actually going to leave our church and they're gonna go out to other churches. 
That was the last thing I remember hearing, right? Next thing, Laura and I are texting back and forth going, did you hear that? Like, what is happening? Right? And we're texting. And so we went home and we prayed about it for a couple days. And, and two days later, I had a, a meeting with my boss, my campus pastor. And, and I remember wrestling going, I, I don't know that I should tell him this. I don't have any answers. I don't know what any of this means. I don't know what God is, is doing. But I, I just felt like maybe I, sh- maybe I should just, I'll just let him know and I'll ask him to pray for me. And so I filled him in on the whole story. And after about a half an hour, um, when I finally was quiet, he, he said, Donnie, he said, this morning when I got up, he said, God laid on my heart one question to ask you today. And he said, it's this, what's next for the Peters family? I was like, wow. Right? In that moment, I knew that God had released us from Saddleback. And, and so we went home and prayed for a couple days. And, and then I called Mike and said, hey, is that job still available? Like, can we, can, we, can we talk about this? Like, I don't know what God's doing, Mike, but God's doing something. I didn't hear an audible voice. There was no handwriting in the sky, no Virgin Mary in my grilled cheese sandwich, right? Like, like none of that, none of that happened. God just opens and closes doors. And as a family, we realize that our job is just to do the best we can to, to follow him. And I've had some people ask, hey, do you think it was a mistake that you went to California for those couple of years? Now that you're back, do you think it, you just should have stayed here the whole time? I, I don't know. I don't think so. God taught us a lot as a family in those couple of years. But even if it was, here's what I believe is that God is big enough to move us to the places where he wants us. Here's the fourth one is he, he is your friend. See, this is a, it's a relationship thing. That you talk to God, you talk to the Spirit all day long. I, I try to. Right, Spirit, I need wisdom in this decision. Will you help me? I, I need patience in this situation. Will, will you give me that? Will you help me to forgive this person that's hurt me? And so I ask the Spirit before I make phone calls, oftentimes before I send an email, but definitely before I counsel with someone, because it's this friendship thing. John 14, verse 16 says this, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. So the word for advocate here in the Greek, it literally means one called alongside to help you. The the word picture is this, is that you pick up one end of a heavy load and the Holy Spirit will pick up the other end of that heavy load. He's your advocate, he's your helper, he's your friend, he's got your back. And it says that he will be with you forever because he's God, there's nothing that's impossible for him, even if it's impossible for you. And here's the last one, is it says that he prays for you. Romans 8, 26 says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. (laughs) That's so cool. I don't know about you, but the thought of the Spirit of God praying for me on behalf of of God's will, that there's just something so incredibly comforting about that. Because if I'm honest, there are so many times in my life where I don't know what I should pray. I don't know what I should pray for myself. I don't know what I should pray for others. And there's often times where I just pray foolish things. Uh, Like every time I play golf, right? Automatically, it just feels like there's foolish um, prayers. I I remember recently uh, just praying, God, will you just help me to not be terrible and and help me to be better than him, right? Because I just wanted to beat my friend. And I I remember, I own it. I'm shallow, I'm vain. And and I remember praying, God, will you just help empower me to have the best round of golf ever? And I know that day that the Holy Spirit was praying too because I shot 
115, probably the worst score ever, right? And I, and I realized in that moment that, that the Holy Spirit was saying, Donnie, you need to work on your anger and humility. I'm not adding any more to your pride in this. See, in any given situation, you may not know exactly what it is that you need or what it is that you should pray for, but the Holy Spirit knows. And we can take confidence in that, that he knows the will of God and he knows our heart and he is interceding on our behalf. The Spirit inside of you. Here's my bottom line. The spirit inside of you is greater than Jesus beside you. Let me say that again. The spirit inside of you is greater than Jesus beside you. Let me explain what I mean by that. I used to think the disciples were so lucky, right? Because there's the disciples and they're standing right next to Jesus. And everywhere that Jesus went, they went. And everything that Jesus said, they heard. Everything Jesus did, they saw it. If one of them had a headache, right? Jesus is probably like, poof, headache gone, right? They, they only had a, a bag of Cheetos and, and half a PB&J, right? Like, poof, Jesus made lunch and he upgraded it to Outback, right? Like, that's just, I imagine that's what Jesus was doing. And I used to be so jealous thinking, man, they had it so good until someone, until someone taught me that we actually have it better that we have the Spirit of God living in us, speaking to us, teaching us, guiding us, helping us as our friend, and then praying for us. See, no matter what I face, whether I caused it, whether someone else caused it, whether it's just a, a circumstance that's outside of my control, I can always depend on God's Spirit in me because God in me is greater than anything that I will ever face. So what do we do with this? Let me give you three things real quick, three simple things to pray in your life every single day. The first is, is show me. It's just simply show me. Spirit, will you show me whatever it is that you want me to see? Show yourself to me. Show, show me to me. Help me to see myself the way that you see me. And so every day, just pray something simple like this. Like, will you, will you help me to hear what it is that you're saying to me? Will you help me to recognize what it is that you're teaching me? Will you help me to know and to follow where it is that you're guiding me? Will you remind me that you are my advocate, you are my friend, that you are always there helping me? Second is change me. Show me and then change me. Spirit, will you make me more like Jesus? See, our mission as a church is to love people where they are and encourage them to grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. And what God does is God loves you right where you are, but he loves you too much to leave you there. And so his desire is to grow you in your relationship with Jesus to change you and make you more like him. And so he speaks to you and he teaches you and he guides you so that if you're willing and open, he can change you. So what's your next step? Maybe for some of us here, it's today I just need to trust Jesus. For the very first time, right? Maybe I've been in church for a while. Maybe this is my very first time in, in church ever. But if this is true, that God loves me that much and he is, he's given me his spirit in me, to speak and to guide and to teach and to help me. He's praying for me. And maybe today you just need to surrender your life to Jesus. Maybe for you it's, it's getting baptized. It's a step of obedience to show outwardly, to show publicly who Jesus is and what he has done inside of you already. For some, maybe it's joining a, a small group because we is greater than me. Maybe it's starting to read your Bible every day because we know that God's will is greater than our will. Maybe it's serving someone, because serving others is always greater than being served. Last one is this. God, show me, change me, and then use me. Francis Chan, 
uh, wrote this. They, this may be a silly illustration, but if I told you that I had an encounter with God where he entered my body and gave me supernatural ability to play basketball, wouldn't you expect to see an amazing improvement in my jump shot, my defense, and my speed on the court? After all, this is God we're talking about. And if you saw no change in my athleticism, wouldn't you question the validity of my encounter? Churchgoers all across the nation say the Holy Spirit has entered them. They claim that God has given them a supernatural ability to follow Christ, to put their sin to death, to serve the church. Christians talk about being born again and say that they, are, they were dead, but now I've come to life. Yet when those outside the church see no difference in our lives, they begin to question our integrity, our sanity, and even worse, our God. And can you blame them? See, if you have a relationship with Jesus, then the Bible promises that you have his spirit living in you. And if that is true, then you can't be the same. Acts 1.8 says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This isn't about you doing this on your own. It's God working in and through you. And so you simply say, Holy Spirit, will you please help me today to fill in the blank? Will you use me today? See, God wants to show you, he wants to change you, and he wants to use you. You plus God equals everything that you need. You plus God is greater than anything you'll ever face. Let me close the series with one last verse. Jesus said this, he said, very truly I tell you, Whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Will you bow your heads with me? Let me ask you one question. I worked at a church and, uh, several years ago and there was this eccentric man. He was our facilities manager, and, but he just had this incredible connection with God. And almost every day, Troy would walk by my office, and oftentimes he wouldn't even stop. He would, just, he would just kind of blaze by my open door, and he would always shout this question at me, Peters, how much of God do you have today? The answer is always the same, right? It was always as, as much as I want, as much as I allow God to be at work in my life. See, I have access to all of God living in me, it was just a matter of whether I was going to allow him to lead my life or not. That's the question I want you to think about today, every day this week. How much of God do you have today? Father, we thank you that you've given us everything that we need to live a great life. We thank you that because of you, Jesus, everything's been accomplished for us. And I pray today for anyone that maybe for the very first time saying, I want to put my faith and trust in you, Jesus. I believe that you are God's son. I believe that you died and you rose again. And I believe that the power of the spirit will provide, that, that raised you from dead will provide the same forgiveness for me of my sin, will give me purpose in my life, will secure my eternity and will fill me so that I can follow you. And if you just pray that just in the quiet of your heart, God's already done everything for you. You're just receiving this incredible gift. God, I thank you for this church. And I pray that you help us to be a great church that honors you, that follows you, that trusts you, 
that loves each other, serves each other, but that, God, we walk in the power of your spirit in us. Because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We thank you and we love you. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.